All right, Faith Promise Church, how y'all doing today? Good, good. We are so, so glad that you're here. Obviously, I am not Pastor Chris, but I just want to greet you. Welcome all of our campuses, Pellissippi, Blunt, North, Anderson, Campbell. I can't wait until I have to like have something to remember all the campuses where God's moving across East Tennessee. What about you? Are you excited about that? Pa- Pastor Chris is off getting filled. However, um, he, he has a message for us this weekend, so I want to greet you. But let's take a second before we get going this weekend and find out what Pastor has to say to us. Three. Hey, Faith Promise. Michelle and I are away to Hillsong Conference on the other side of the world and wanted to send you the message as we get ready for this weekend. We hate we're not there with you. This week was a tough week. It's the week that our Supreme Court decided that gay marriage was legal. There are a lot of different emotions, a lot of different struggles with that. Some of you are angry. Some of you just are emoting in a lot of different ways. But I want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, that Jesus is coming back soon. We really are in the last days. And the scripture said, this is what it was going to be like. So we need not be shocked. Also, if you remember last week, we talked about the course of this world, the prince and power of the air, the son, the spirit that's working in the sons of disobedience out of the book of Ephesians. Well, we're watching it. But the real issue is, it's not what they're doing, but what we're doing. So I want to challenge you. Today, Pastor Zach will be preaching an unbelievable message on rise up in warfare. But who are we warring against? It's not against people. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and power. It's not against political parties or presidents or even Supreme Court justices. Our fight is with the devil who empowers this culture to be anti-Christ. Our job is to love people, everyone, gay or straight, we love people. And just because we love someone doesn't mean we have to condone or agree with everything that they do. So at Faith Promise, we're going to stand on the traditional biblical definition of marriage. But what we are also going to do is love people, no matter where they are, no matter how broken, no matter how deeply they're hurting. We're going to love them. We're going to people, everybody's welcome just as they are. That's what we're all about. So Faith Promise, as you talk to people, as you may be a lot of different ways emotionally on this issue, be careful. Lead with love. Lead with, lead with truth and grace. Truth without grace is legalism. Grace without truth is a license. We're to be in the middle, speaking the truth and grace in love. That's what we do. I know God is going to move this weekend. Let's be the family who leads with love. Zach, bring the word this weekend. Preach it with power. Love you guys. See you next weekend. Amen. Amen. Our, our pastors in, at Hillsong Conference getting filled up, uh, but the man never stops working. The man never stops praying for us. I guarantee you, he was up at 6 o'clock in his hotel room praying for faith promise. And uh, I, I wish everybody could see his journal. He's got this shorthand. He actually, besides faith promise, he, he draws this little syringe and says that God inject them with the Holy Spirit today. And, and as, as I was listening to pastor, what he'd do right now is, is he'd pray. Um, to what he always does. And I, as I was listening to worship, as I listened to pastor's message, we, we just, we need God so bad right now. Um, I, I'm with the students every week uh, at all of our camps. We have students on Wednesday and, and we need them. We need them. So let's take a moment. Let's pray for our church. Let's pray for our nation. Um, God, we, we just love you so much. And, and Father, as we stand in, in such a great church, 
uh, God, at, at Faith Promise. We're so grateful for what you've allowed us to do, the ministry that you've allowed us to be a part of. But God, we believe that our best days are yet to come. And Father, even though if you look on social media, if you watch the news, it, it seems it seemed like trying times and people are at each other's throats. But God, you say that the gates of hell will not overcome the church. And you say that we will be victorious through Jesus Christ. So God, right now we submit to you. God, right now we knock, we bang on the door, we beg at the door of heaven for you to fall on us, Father. I beg you to go far beyond my words this weekend, far beyond the worship this weekend, and Holy Spirit, you would fall. You say we're two more than gathered, there you are also. You are here in this room. So, Father, we pray for your power. We pray for your healing, but we pray for your wisdom. You say in James chapter 1, if anyone asks for wisdom, you will give it to us generously. So we ask, Father, fall on us. Fall on our nation. God, it doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what, what's on our money. It doesn't matter what's in the state house. What matters is that our knees fall to you and to you alone. We love you so much. Your precious name we pray. Amen. Are you guys ready to be at church this weekend? We're ready to be at church this weekend. We're excited. I want to thank you guys for being here. Real quick before I get going, because if you've ever heard me, you know I get excited, uh, and I'll forget about this. Next weekend, uh, at all of our camps, we will not have church on Saturday. So if you plan on coming to the Pell City campus for church next Saturday, again, you will be by yourself. Feel free to have church in the parking lot, but we will not be here. We will be on the lake. Some of you guys will need to come to church twice on Sunday for to atone what you do on Saturday. So... Be sure to be at church uh, on Sunday. We will not have service on Saturday. I'm honored to be up here, uh, first of all, because it's an honor to preach God's word, but all, it's, it's an honor to stand in the pulpit where Pastor Chris preaches every week. Is Pastor not, is he incredible? He's awesome. He's awesome. I hope, I, hope we don't, I hope we never forget what an honor it is to be at a church doing this. There's churches all over America, all over the world, uh, who are wondering if the police are going to come in and shut them down in other parts of the world. There's places in America who are wondering, hey, are we going to be able to meet next week? We have the funds, but God has blessed us. And I pray we don't take that for granted so that God doesn't move his hand of favor to a place that's more hungry. You know what I'm saying? So we're, I'm just honored to be here, honored to be in this pulpit. I'm also honored, I don't know if this is called a pulpit. This is a table. I'm honored to be up here, um, but honored. Uh, I'm also honored to be in this series. Uh, this series is called Rise Up, and we'll be in the book of Ephesians. Now, why that's an honor for me is because this has been a go-to book for me my whole life. Uh, now, part of that's because it's short. It's only six chapters. Uh, it's easy to read, uh, So, but it, it's very easy to understand. It's a great book. Uh, you know, when you hit in a slump in your quiet time, you're not quite sure what to do. Ephesians has always been a go-to for me. So it's an honor to be up here. The last reason why I'm so pumped about this weekend is because we're talking about something that's very, very dear to my heart, and that is spiritual warfare. Now, as soon as I said that, some of you guys got weird, okay? Spiritual warfare freaks some of you guys out. You're sitting there thinking, okay, first of all, it's not Pastor Chris. I'm a little upset. Second of all, Second of all, which you should probably be concerned, he's going to talk about spiritual warfare. Okay, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. So you guys are wondering, can I get to the exit without him seeing? Doors are locked. You're stuck, okay? For the next three to five hours. I'm just joking. <laughs> but but uh, I get it. I get it. You know what? I, I was thinking about this weekend. I was like, what, what is it like? It's like, like when I bring up spiritual warfare, it's like when somebody comes knocks at your door and you don't know who it is. You're not feeling it. You're like, oh, this is going to be a weirdo, and I know it. You know what I'm saying? I open the door like they're like a, a, like a, like a, just a dangerous situation. I'm like peeking out. I'm like, what do you need? 
You selling something? I don't want it. I, I'm, I'm allergic to it. You know, so it's, it's one of those things. So I, I, I get that. I get that it may feel a little bit weird, but we need it. And honesty will be key this weekend. Honesty will be very key. So let me go ahead and I'll start. It's always e easier to be honest as somebody starts. There's two battles going on in the room that I want to acknowledge and be honest about. And, and both of them have to do with movement conference. You saw a video for it. Um, I'm our global student pastor. And we're having a, uh, a conference this year instead of camp. We used to do camp review. We go to the beach or we go somewhere. God really put on, the first battle I want to take on in the room right now is there, there's a battle going on in my heart. Because God, I really feel like God called Faith Promise Student Ministry and me to start a conference where we stay home. Because uh, the conference will be at Faith Promise, and we'll, we'll be in the local Knoxville area. And the reason I did that is so, or the reason we decided to do that, more students could come. It's cheaper, right? You're not sending your, your student all the way to the beach with some weirdo, which that's, a, that's legitimate. But, but to be honest, there's a battle going on in my heart because it's different, right? It's different. And, and, and doing something different is hard. But I, I, I'm determined, no matter what the enemy, no matter what doubts, going in my heart that we're going to push forward where God has us to go. That's one battle going on. But the second battle, which is also about movements in your chair with some of you guys, whether you're a student or a parent, wondering if movement's something you should attend. Some students are thinking, well, I don't know if my friends are going and this, I'm new at this church and all this stuff. Let me encourage you. You need to be there. God is going to move. And I'm going to wrap this sermon up and, and really point out a reason why you need to be there. Parents, you may be thinking $149. That's, you know, that, 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 that may be a lot of money, and I'm, I'm not sure if I can swing that. Listen, let me really encourage you. I really believe if you're a student and you hear this this weekend, no matter what campus you're at, that God wants you to be there. We believe that God's going to move not just the student ministry, but the whole church, every, every ministry is heaping on, is, is helping out, because we believe that this is going to be a revival that not just sparks at FP students, but all of Faith Promise. So I just go ahead and let you know, that's on my heart. That's a battle going on in me. There's this doubt. There's this stuff going on. There's always a battle going on. So I just want to be transparent with you, because that's what this weekend is going to take. This weekend is going to take some transparency. Now, what I want to do, what I usually do when you talk about something weird like spiritual warfare. It's not weird, but it makes us feel weird. Um, whenever I talk about something like that, I like to start kind of on the same page. So what I usually do is I usually pull up a definition from Webster's or dictionary.com or something like that. Uh, like a, a few years ago, I was, I was talking to a group of girls, which is just, I don't know why they even let me do that, but I was. So I had to Google girl power. Didn't know what that was. And, but this, I looked up spiritual warfare on those two sites. There was no definition. It put me to a lot of books and, and all this stuff. And I think that's part of the reason why it freaks us out a little bit. There was no clear definition for spiritual warfare. Now, if some of you guys could write your defini definition for spiritual warfare. It'd be like something I don't want anybody to talk to me about. I'd rather talk about anything else, like let's have a sermon on colonoscopies or something. But, but, I'm but, but. <laughs> this will be my last time preaching. Um. So, since there's no definition we could springboard off of, I'd like to tell you guys a quote that Pastor said last week for us to start from that I believe would really put us all on the same page. And that's this. Pastor believes this about this series. And it is that we saints, if you're a Christ follower, can defy gravity and soar to heights the world thinks are impossible. 
This is what pastor believes if we will take what we see in Ephesians and apply to our life. He believes that, that we saints can defy gravity and soar uh, to heights that the world thinks are impossible. This is huge. If this is reality, this is huge. Now, last week, you probably did the same thing I did. I I work here, so I listened to the message four times, and I heard this four times. I'm like, man, that's so good. Defy gravity, do stuff that the world doesn't think is possible. Wow! You know, it feels good, like in my spiritual tummy, so I just eat it up, and then I move on. But what I usually do is so that I can get everything that pastor has, has to say, I usually listen to the message on a Tuesday while I'm doing cardio. I'll listen to the message, and I, I heard this again, and this, that, that, that quote really hit me hard, because it says, defy gravity. Now, to defy gravity, that, that'd be hard, right? Some of us, you know, we're getting a little older, maybe you have a tattoo, and your tattoo is showing you it's hard to defy gravity, right? It, it, defying gravity is difficult. Now, there's no definition for spiritual warfare, but there are definitions for defy. Because pastor said that we can defy gravity. So I want to start there. Let me, let me read you, show you the definitions of defy, to defy gravity. Or well, to, just to defy something. And defy, and the, the definition of that is to challenge uh, the power of, resist boldly, to challenge or combat, to contest, uh, to challenge or do something deemed impossible. Now, to defy gravity... We would have to be willing, this all fits together so well, we would have to be willing to rise up. That's the name of the series, right? To defy gravity, you got to stand up and you have to fight. Some of you guys have been on a plane and you can feel the G's pulling down on you as you pull up because to defy gravity, it's hard. Now, let me tell you this, to this kind of defying gravity, the, the spiritual gravity, some of you guys have felt it uh, this, this week on social media, on the news, the spiritual gravity that is pulling us down is much heavier than the gravity of our little blue planet. The spiritual gravity that we would have to overcome to soar the new heights, the pastor believes, that I believe, that we believe is gonna be difficult. It's gonna take a fight. And that's why we're talking about spiritual warfare this weekend. Now, some of you guys still think, you know, spiritual warfare is still, I, 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 you may just think that's for pastors or missionaries or, you know, the people who are kind of weird spiritually. You know who I'm talking about. The person in your family don't let pray before meals you know, because it'll be cold. So you think that that's what spiritual warfare is for. That, it's for them, it's not for me. Let me read you two passages really quick that I hope will change your mind on spiritual warfare being an absolute must. The first one's Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. It says, put on the whole armor of God. This is out of Ephesians again. Uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, that's huge. And, and, and I just want to point out a few things that lets us know that spiritual warfare is, is a must. The first one, it says to put on, you, you, don't, you don't put on armor on the couch, do you? If you wear armor cell on the couch, you, you need a psychiatrist, not a sermon. But we, you don't put on armor for nothing. You put on armor to fight. I love how in the passage it says, put on the armor of God so that you can resist the devil. It doesn't say put on the armor of God so that the devil can attack you. It doesn't say put on the armor of God, then the devil, then the devil will start to, it says put on the armor of God so that you can. That means that the devil is going to attack you whether you decide to put on or not. I don't care how big and bad you are. But if you turn your back on somebody who wants to fight you, you have no chance. So that God is calling us, put on your armor. It also says that our battle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the government. 
It's not against your neighbor. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your kids, even though it feels like every Wednesday. That's not what it is. The battle is against, is against the rulers and the principalities in, in, the, in the heavenly places. That's where our battle is. The devil loves to distract us with promotions and with people at work and with arch enemies, our neighbors, whatever that looks like. But that's a distraction. That's not where our battle is. Let me share one more thing with you. I hope we'll let you know that, that spiritual warfare is, is so essential. And that's Matthew 12, uh, 11, 12. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, so that's in the present, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Now, a lot of us wouldn't say that our spiritual life or our walk with God would be, would be categorized as violent, right? But I bet a lot of us would say that we've been victims, that somebody's done something to us or a church hurt us or we, we, I couldn't do anything about it and I was, I, my feelings were hurt or I was damaged. Well, this says that the violent are taking it by force. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be violent. We need to be, but spiritually, in prayer, in our walk with God, there needs to be some toughness. There needs to be some violence because it's being, I love that, that translation. It said that it's being raided. And it says that the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, because not all the kingdom of heaven is here now, but God has given us some. In John 10, 10, it says that Christ died to give us the abundant life. However, we are letting that be raided from us because the devil wants to take it from us more than we want to have it. I hope these things, those two passages, will let you know spiritual warfare is essential. And if you don't fight, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're just going to get beat. So I want to dive into uh, Ephesians. Now, when, I first, when Pastor first said, Zach, I want you to talk about uh, spiritual warfare, I immediately thought Ephesians 6, I talk about the armor of God and how to suit up. But God changed it, as, as he usually does. And I want to read to you. I'm just going to read to you Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. Pastor read it last week, but what I want to do is I want to look in there and I want to pick out two things that stop us from being the warriors that God has called us to be. God has called us to be fighters. God has called us to rise up and fight, but we stop. I believe that if we take these things that are stopping us and we put them aside, that you yourself can pick up the Bible and you can read through Ephesians, you can read through John, and you can learn, this is how I fight. But before you learn how to fight, you got to realize what is stopping you. So I'm going to break uh, the, just those seven verses into three parts and pick some stuff out. Uh, I, I, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up on your phone or just write it down and look at it in your quiet time. But let me start in Ephesians 2, one, uh, verse, verses 1 and 2. And it said, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and power of the air. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but... In the, in the NIZ, the New International Zach Version, it says that we were dead, we were sinners, and you once followed the devil around. That's a big deal. Now, now, now let me break this down for you. Let me, let me tell you this, and then I want to explain it. Comfort is a killer of warriors. Comfort is a killer of warriors. Now, let me explain it. It says that you were dead in your trespasses. That's before you came to know Christ. Now, all of us have been dead in our trespasses, all of us. So, but we were all dead for different amounts of time. That, that means that all of us gave our life to Christ at different amounts of time. Maybe you were 10, 12, uh, 20, 30, 40, 100. I don't know when you gave your life to Christ, but we all gave it to him at different times, which means there was a time where we were dead in our trespasses and we were following the devil around. The, 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 the current of the world, we were following him around and we got used to doing that. 
It doesn't matter if, if you were just, if you were 10 years old, it, it doesn't matter. You got used to following the devil around, and, and he had these paths that he would take you on, and we got used to it. And if we don't stop, after you give your life to Christ, if you don't constantly look and try to follow God, then you will find yourself falling back into those same paths. It, it, it's funny because it said you were dead in your trespasses, and you followed the enemy. You followed the devil around. It's funny, you're like a zombie, Right, kind of the walking dead. The walking dead, we've talked about that. So the walking, you just follow mindlessly the enemy around. If we're not careful, we'll fall right back into it. And God gave me this incredible vision when I was thinking about this. I was just thinking and praying, God, how do I describe this? And just for full disclosure, I don't hunt now because, you know, getting up at four and rubbing animal pee on me is not like my idea of a good time. I have a beautiful wife that I'd rather lay there with, but deer pee is not like, I don't like it. I've, I've got cologne. And um, so, but my dad used to take me when I was little. And so what we would do, we'd go and we'd find the tracks of the, of, of the deer, right? And then that's how you would know, okay, the deer, they come through here. This is where they go. This is where they go eat. So you'd set up your tree stand where they were, right? You set up where their track was. That's what the devil does to us. Because you followed him around before you gave your life to Christ. He knows where you like to go. He knows the path that he took you on. So what he does, he sets his tree. After you give your life to Christ, he's like, they'll be back. He sets his tree stand up, waits for you to come under, and that's when he hits you with that dart. Whatever it is, maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's the thought of doubt. Whatever, he hits you with it, bam. Bam, he hits you. You fall. We've all done it. And then before you know it, you feel like you're right back being dead in your trespass. Just like that deer is dead, we feel dead in our trespasses. And it stops us from being fighters because we've all done it hundreds of times. We're like, God, I don't want to be addicted to porn. God, I don't want to be greedy. God, I don't want to. And before we know it, we've fallen again. And we fall, I'm just dead. And we don't fight back. So you think, Zach, how, how do I beat that? Pastor taught me growing up. He said, I, I would come to him and say, Dad, I messed up. I, been greedy or I got angry, I'm not having my quiet time, I looked at porn pornography, what do I do? He'd say, Zach, you got to be a rapid repenter. That's what it's all about, Zach, being a rapid repenter. So I want to encourage you, be a rapid repenter. That's how you get out of that comfort the enemy wants to put you in. Let's keep going to Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 3. It's in, in that, that's just in, uh, continuing on that passage I just read to you. It says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This last bit right here, like the rest of mankind, is a big deal. Look around at our world right now at the rest of mankind. You wonder why our world feels so perverse. You wonder why our world feels so hate-filled and sex-filled and just dark. It's because the rest of the world is following out on their desires. You know what, before we dive into, before we start wrapping our minds around this homosexuality stuff and it shouldn't be legal and all this stuff and fighting about that, let's talk about the desires in our heart, the desires that we have, the desires to look at somebody else besides who we're married to, the desire to keep our tithe, the desire to lie because it makes it a little easier. We have these desires in our hearts and whenever we listen to them, when we fight for them, when we chase after them, it's what pulls us from being warriors, it's what pulls us from being fighters. Desires kill dreams. Something we have to know, desires kill dreams. And listen, I'm not talking about the dreams you have for yourself. I'm talking about the dreams that God has for you. The dreams that God has implanted in you to make a difference, to change lives. Those dreams 
When we chase our fleshly desires, it kills them. I'm not telling you that it's all up to you. I'm not telling you that you have to work for what God wants to give you. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying if you're older, if, you know, if you've been following your desires, that you've wasted it all. But I am telling you, if we put our head down and only worry about our fleshly desires, you will miss God's best for your life. There's no question about that. And I just beg you not to do that. And real quick, so that I can, I can so you understand how I want to end this. This was the biggest revelation of my life. When I was 19, I was, I was doing what I wanted to do and I was following after my flesh and then God really just, you know, like he's done most of just whacked us upside the head with a two by four and said, get your head out of your butt. And, you know, so he, he, he talked to me. Sorry, if you're not allowed to say it at your house, don't say it. He, he grabbed me and said, Zach, you've read the verse Galatians 2.20. It says, I died in myself in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And some of you guys have heard me talk about this, about being a spiritual warrior, a spiritual Spartan, a fighter, a world changer. Some of you guys have heard me talk about that. But when I was 19, that's when God put that on me. When he said, Zach, the glorious death, what's glorious about being a spiritual warrior is you can die to your own desires. And I called a spiritual Spartan because back in the Spartan culture, they were the greatest warriors on the planet at their time, and they were, they were just awesome. And, uh, and what, what they thought is the best thing that they could ever do was die on the battlefield for their family, king, and country. It was called a glorious death. And I believe the glorious death for a believer is killing our desires every morning. A Spartan only had to die once. We had to die 365, seven days a week to the stuff that we want to do so that we can change the world, starting in our homes, in our workplace. God has called us to be spiritual warriors, spiritual Spartans. Now, I know this is heavy, but like Christ always does, he gives us hope. Let me read to you the end of this passage in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he has loved us with, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive in Christ. By the grace, by that grace you have been saved and raised up, that's raised up, and seated with him in, uh, in the heavenly places in, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age he might show, that's a big word there, show the immeasurable riches of his grace uh, and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. We're called to raise up to be seated by Christ. And I believe the first thing for us to do that is to raise up in battle. And you may say, Zach, why? why? If he's raised us up to be seated with him, why, why, do, we have to, why, why do we have to fight? It's just, it's just, I've got enough stuff to worry about. I've got all this stuff to do, man. Why do I have to fight? Let me tell you why. In that passage, in, in verse 7, it says, so in the coming age, he, that's Jesus, might show immeasurable riches. Show. It does not say hand to you on a silver platter. It does not say putting your mouth in, on a silver spoon. It says he will show it to you. And that's when I'd like to reference back to that verse I read in Matthew 11 when it said the violent people have come to the kingdom of heaven. The violent take it by force. It's the violent people who want to stand up for their kids and say, no. Yes, I'm going to read through your text message. I don't care what you say about it. I want to know what you're doing because I love you, because I'm willing to fight for you. 
Yes, I'm willing to cut back on going out to you because I want to give to God's kingdom. Yes, I'm not going to lie on my taxes. No, I'm not going to cheat. Yes, I'm going to stop looking at pornography. I'm willing to do that because I want to fight. I want to take John 10.10, the abundant life that God died to give me. He's going to show it to me, and I'm going to take it, and I encourage you to do the same. God has showed us, shown us some of the kingdom of heaven here, but the devil wants you to not have it more than you want to have it. That's not everybody. But I know me sometimes. The devil wants me to not have it more than I want to have it. And it breaks my heart for my wife and for my daughter and, and, and for the ministry that I lead. All the people that are attached to me that count on me. And there's times the devil wants it more than I do. It makes me sick. And that's why spiritual warfare is so important. Now, some of us are thinking, Zach, I, I've been living this way for years. I don't think I can do that. Or I've wasted too much time, and I, 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 there's just no way I can live this way. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm not going to read it to you. Just let me tell you about a passage. It's Ezekiel 47. 1 through 14. I want to encourage you to, to look that up and read it later. But what happens is God takes Ezekiel, who's a prophet, a, a, a pastor in the Old Testament, takes him to a valley of dry bones where they used to fight wars. And there's probably hundreds of thousands of skeletons, and they're dry bones. They're not just dead. They're dry bones. That means they've been dead and decomposed for years and years because they're not just bones, but they're dry bones. And, and God brings Ezekiel out and puts them in there, and, and, and God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I believe it's the same question he's asking a lot of us. Can you fight? Can you stand up for your family? Can you stand up for our nation when they're asking us to shut up? When they're hoping that you'll be a bigot on Facebook or on social media? Will you stand up in love? What, what, what will... What will you do? Can you rise up? I feel like God's asking us the same question that, that he asked Ezekiel. And Ezekiel answered, only you know, Lord. And let me tell you, the Lord knows that faith promise can rise up. You know how we know that? Because we can read in Ezekiel 37 where, where God took dead and buried dry bones, raised them up, put them together, put sinews and flesh and blood and skin on their bones. And as they stood up, they said that they were just dry. They were there. They were full bodies, but they were there. We're full bodies, and we're here, and we've got about 10, 20% fighting, but we're here, and we're there. But, but, but we're missing something. This army was missing something. And then whenever Ezekiel asked, what are they missing? God said, they're missing the Holy Spirit. They're missing what he called the Ruach. That's just such a powerful word in, in the Hebrew. It's the breath of God, the Ruach. Faith promise. No matter what campus you're on this weekend, no matter if you're homeless, you have your life all together, no matter where you're at, we need the Ruach at Faith Promise. We need the Ruach in our schools. We need the Ruach, the breath of God in our nation. Is that right, Faith Promise? Guys, I'm laying the plane. It's, it's easier, the younger you start fighting, the easier it is to fight. Now, we've all heard of Mike Tyson, and by no means am I saying he's a good role model. But Mike Tyson's a fighter, right? He bit a man's ear off. He's a fighter, okay? If you, if I, I did a little research on Mike Tyson. 
He grew up in Brooklyn, hard place, hard life. Whenever he was young, all he knew was to fight. That's all he knew. He grew up and he became a world-renowned fighter. The younger you start to fight, the better chance you have, the better you are at it. I talked about Spartan culture earlier. And the Spartans, the reason that they were so dynamic, the reason they were the best warriors on the planet at that time is they did something called a gogi. And it's what they would do is they would take young boys from their moms when they were eight. And they, from when they were eight to they were 18, they were taken from their family and they were enlisted in the military. From eight to 18. And all they were taught is to fight. To fight. If, a, if a kid didn't fight, he died. If a kid didn't fight, he starved. If a kid wasn't willing to give it all, he wasn't going to make it. It's called a gogi. Now, by no means am I saying, like, make your kids fight for dinner or anything like that. But what I am saying, I did some research, and guess what a gogi translates over to? The rising. The rising. This series, Rise Up. I just want to tell you, movement, what it is at its heart, it's the rising. For your students to be the men and women spiritually that God has called them to be. I want to, we want to come beside you and help you make them into the warriors so that they don't have the same issues that you have. They don't face the same divorces. They don't face the same abuse. That they can stand up and fight when they're 12 and 13 years old, which is incredible. Now, I want to pray for us. Uh, and again, I love you. I know t t this, this weekend was a, can feel a little bit rough, but God needs warriors. In Ezekiel, this is the last thing I'm going to tell you. In Ezekiel, God asked, he said, I looked to and fro for a man who would stand between the gap between me and my people, and I found no one. That will not be the case while we're here. It'll never be the case while Faith Promise is here. Not only will there be one person, there'll be a church ready to stand in the gap between God and his people. I'd like to pray for us, and what I want to do, I just go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us, and you know what? I'd like to prophesy. I know I'm young, but I'd like to prophesy the Ruach over some people who want to fight. So before I pray, if you know, God, I need the Ruach. I need that fight. I need to be a spiritual warrior. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and rise up. I want you to go ahead and rise up from your chair a physical representation of what God wants you to do spiritually. I want you to rise up and let me prophesy this Ruach over you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God, we stand and we beg for the Ruach. God, the power to stand against the devil. God, to stand against what the enemy wants to do to our families. To stand against what the enemy wants to do to our finances. To stand against the, the, the dream the enemy wants to destroy, God, you are bigger, you are greater. You say greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, greater, God. And I just beg that you would just rain your Holy Spirit down like you did in Acts chapter 2. God, that as we go out this week, as the, as the United States seems like it's in a hard spot, God, it is in a hard spot because men and women are turning to their own desires instead of the years. God, I beg you that we would have tongues of fire, God, that just, that just lavish love on everybody. And they would know there's something different about you. And we would know it's the Ruach, the breath, the life of God in us. God, we will be unstoppable. You will not look down the world and see no one to stand the gap between you and your people. It will be us, God. 
We will raise up the next generation. We will fight until you come back. We will be the violent people taking heaven by force. God, we love you so much. We love you so much. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We love you guys so much. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next weekend.